Wish you weren't hearing an ad right now? Want to get the next episode even sooner? Well, after the show, head to watchnebula.com slash radio. You'll get access to our original podcasts ad-free, plus exclusive originals and experimental shows from your favorite educational-ish creators. And best of all, you're helping us to make even more amazing content. Just go to watchnebula.com slash radio. It really helps us out. Clark is supposed to be the good guy in this movie, right? I have a pet theory that Clark Griswold changes his name to Pierce Hawthorne and goes into hiding after the events of this movie. I'll be a living god! Hey, Legal Eagles, and welcome back to Laws Broken, where an attorney destroys your favorite childhood movies by showing you how illegal everything is. Because everything is illegal. It's that time of year again, the time when everyone on Twitter says their favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. Well, let me settle this once and for all. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a Christmas song. But regardless of that controversy, let's all acknowledge that Chevy Chase is the true hero of Christmas. Everyone watches National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation at least twice during the holiday season because nothing says Christmas like Clark Griswold. This is Clark Griswold and his family. Welcome to our home. And we have so much empathy with Clark having to deal with his eccentric relatives that we completely overlook the fact that Clark has absolutely no regard for the law whatsoever. Once Clark starts degrading the neighborhood with broken windows and trees and overloaded power strips, other more serious crimes start to pile up. In fact, Clark Griswold may even be a crime boss in the making. And you thought your family holidays were bad. So let's examine the laws broken in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Falls and breaks his neck. I'm sure he'll fall, but I don't think we're lucky enough to have him break his neck. All right, here we have our first entry into the war between the Griswolds and their yuppie neighbors, Todd and Margot Chester. And you may have lived next to a Todd, the uppity neighbor who thinks that he's better than you and he's above silly Christmas lights. He's probably the president of your HOA, ready to enforce all the neighborhood rules with an iron apple pencil. Or maybe you've experienced living next to a clerk, the dope who doesn't care if his lawn or decorations or family invades your space. Really, both of these guys are very likely to have been the subject of an r slash AITA subreddit. And if you know what that acronym means, you, AITA. Now Clark threatens to stick a chainsaw up Margot's whatever. Where do you think you're gonna put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. You've got a lot of nerve talking to me like that, Griswold. I wasn't talking to you. What a great family, man. And a lot of the movie's slapstick elements involve self-inflicted injuries to Clark. Ow. But he gets plenty of hits in on other people and property as well. Clark's adventures in Christmas decorations leads directly to a piece of gutter going through the neighbor's window. You may think that was just a harmless accident, but Clark has no remorse for what he did. So let's talk about criminal damage to property. Clark's mishap with the gutter is the first blow against law and order. Now, this is possibly criminal damage to property under Illinois law. And under Illinois law, a person is guilty of criminal damage if they perform any of the following acts without the consent of the property owner. One, damages any property of another. Two, recklessly by means of fire or explosive damages someone's property. Three, knowingly starts a fire on someone's land. Four, knowingly injures someone else his pet, and five, intentionally places a stink bomb or any other offensive smelling compound on the land or in the building of another with the intent to interfere with its use. And by the end of this movie, Clark will have committed basically all five of these types of criminal damage. Clark pretty clearly damaged his neighbor's house. The penalties for criminal damage are based on the dollar amount of the damage caused or the type of property that was damaged. Here, this is a broken window, but he's going to have to pay for it. A violation of this first subsection is a class A misdemeanor as long as the damage is not 
exceed $500. I don't think the damage here exceeds 500 on the window. However, this is not the last offense. So let's talk about the electrical code violations. Clark doesn't stop with accidentally vandalizing Todd and Margot's house. Next, he engineers a power surge that takes out the city's entire power grid. The city has to switch to nuclear auxiliary power. This may look like a simple mistake, but Clark could be fined by the city for his numerous probable code violations. For example, it's illegal to crowd a service panel. National electrical codes recommend that a service panel have a working clearance that is 30 inches wide, three feet deep, and six feet, eight inches high. And you tell me, does it look like they met that requirement here? National electrical codes also penalize a homeowner for installing too few receptacles. The purpose of this, of course, is to reduce the use of extension cords. And when homeowners screw this up, extension cords are far more likely to start fires and create a tripping hazard, as we see plenty in this film. Just check out all of those cords. The Griswold home is basically a walking fire hazard. And speaking of hazards and criminals, once Cousin Eddie comes to town, the pace of serious crimes escalates. And would you believe that Randy Quaid is actually crazier than his on-screen counterpart, Cousin Eddie? 2020 has been rough on us all. And here is one of the most infamous scenes in this entire movie. What are you looking at? An asshole in his bathrobe, emptying a chemical toilet into my sewer. Shitter was full! Yes, he is emptying a chemical toilet into a storm sewer. Really, all that's missing from the top of this RV is a Trump 2020 flag. But could Cousin Eddie perhaps be misinformed? Sewage from a chemical toilet has to go somewhere. So could it actually be legal to dump sewage into the storm sewer? Well, obviously not. Cousin Eddie violated section 21 of the Illinois Environmental Protection Act, which prohibits the open dumping of waste. Violations under the Illinois EPA are either a class A misdemeanor or a class four felony. In addition, section 47-5 of the Illinois Criminal Code provides that dumping garbage, rubbish, refuse, or trash on someone else's property without their consent is a misdemeanor. Local Chicago laws also make it illegal to discharge, quote, any noxious or malodorous gas or substance capable of creating a public nuisance. The city of North Chicago prohibits anyone from dumping anything into storm sewers. And Winnebago County, Illinois seems to have written their law with Cousin Eddie specifically in mind, quote, no person shall discharge or cause to be discharged untreated sewage or the contents of any privy vault or chemical toilet directly or indirectly to storm sewers. Chicago takes this pretty seriously. Just ask Stefan Wool, the bus driver for the Dave Matthews Band. He pleaded guilty to emptying the bus's septic tank over the Chicago River in 2004. Quote, drenching passengers on an architectural boat tour with 800 pounds of human waste. Yes, you heard that right, 800 pounds. <laughs> Wool got 18 months of probation, 150 hours of community service, and a $10,000 fine after pleading guilty to misdemeanor charges of reckless conduct and water pollution. He also never drove for the band again. Now, these are of course related to the actions of Cousin Eddie, who is distinct from Clark Griswold, but it's possible that vicarious liability could attach to Clark in these circumstances. But remember our criminal damage to property offense? Clark could be charged with the fifth kind of offense, the intentionally placing a stink bomb or any other offensive smelling compound on the land or in the building of another with the intent to interfere with its use. The police might be able to say that Clark knew darn well what Eddie was doing to that sewer and that the resulting stink interfered with the entire neighborhood. Luckily for Eddie, there's no law against public drunkenness in Illinois, so he only needs to fess up to dumping the toilet. So now we're getting down to Clark's baser criminal instincts, where he admits writing a check without sufficient funds to cover it. <laughs> 
to make sure the pool goes in as soon as the ground thaws, I had to lay out the money in advance. And until this little miracle arrived, I didn't have enough in my account to cover the check I wrote. Clark's excuse for this is that he really, really wanted to put a deposit down on a swimming pool and he assumed his bonus would cover it. Well, sorry, but that won't cut it as a defense to check kiting. Under Illinois criminal law, writing a check when you know you don't have the funds to cover it is considered financial institution fraud. This is considered theft from a financial institution. And when the total amount of that financial fraud is between 301 and $10,000, that's a class three felony, which carries a possible sentence of up to five years in jail or a fine of up to $25,000. But then Clark goes on and further crime spree, which again inflicts property damage on the Chester house after the tree smashes into the window. This is Clark's fault, and this time the damage is well above the $500 threshold for a misdemeanor. The penalty for this criminal charge could be a class four felony in Illinois when the damage to the property exceeds $500, but doesn't exceed $10,000, which is punishable by three years in prison and a fine of up to $25,000. But the neighbor Margot is not going to take this lying down, and Margot's fed up with the vandalism to her house, so she decides to take the law into her own hands. I can't just attack someone. All right then, if you're not man enough to put an end to this then I am. She tells Todd she's going to kill Clark and marches over to his house. Snots the dog, chases after a squirrel, running out of the house, and mauls her. Now, Illinois has a strict liability dog bite law. Under the statute, quote, if a dog or other animal without provocation attacks, attempts to attack, or injures any person who is peaceably conducting himself or herself in any place where he or she may lawfully be, the owner of such dog or other animal is liable in civil damages. The law makes the owner of the dog or the person controlling it liable to the injured person in tort. Now, Margot could claim that the dog was told to attack her, but that's not necessary for a strict liability offense. However, on the other side, provocation is a defense. So Clark might be able to claim that it was a hideous accident caused by a flying squirrel. And Margot was in an aggressive posture. Now, Margot is so pissed off about being attacked that she quickly recovers just in time to punch her husband in the face in anger. This is basically turning into a law school torts hypothetical on steroids. But under Illinois law, a person commits battery if he or she knowingly without legal justification by any means, one, causes bodily harm to an individual. This is a class A misdemeanor and she probably doesn't have any defense here, but luckily Clark is probably out of the woods on this particular one. But that takes us to the darker side of Clark and potential kidnapping. When Clark tells the family that his boss cheated him out of a bonus, he suggests kidnapping the boss and having him brought to the house for a beating. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. Ever the compliant co-conspirator, Eddie kidnaps the boss, ties him up, holds him against his will and brings him to Clark. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, Clark. <laughs> you better ready to do some kissing. So by now, Clark Griswold is basically the Tony Soprano of Winnebago County. When the police finally arrive, Clark admits that he is the mastermind behind the crime and he ordered Eddie to kidnap the boss and like any good capo, Eddie did just as he was told. It was my fault. I lost my temper when I got my bonus and I, I guess I said a few things I shouldn't have. But this was no simple kidnapping. Aggravated kidnapping includes taking another person with the intent to collect a ransom or inflicting any bodily harm on that victim. Clark wanted a bonus big enough to cover the $7,500 deposit on a swimming pool. This could be enough to conclude that the boss was ransomed. I have never been treated like this in my life. I'm sorry, this is our family's first kidnapping. And aggravated kidnapping is a class 10 felony with prison terms increasing with the nature of the crime. First offenses are punishable by a prison term of six to 30 
30 years with an additional 15 to 25 years, depending on the severity of the crime. Second and subsequent offenses are punishable by life imprisonment and a fine of up to $25,000 and restitution to the victim. Whew. Clark is supposed to be the good guy in this movie, right? I have a pet theory that Clark Griswold changes his name to Pierce Hawthorne and goes into hiding after the events of this movie. Pierce, you've had three flu shots. That's for the daycare center. I'll be a living God! Now, the best part of this search for the Griswold family Christmas tree is Clark leading an expedition through knee-high snow. We may all dream of striding through the woods and cutting down a perfect Christmas tree, but as avid readers of r slash tree law can attest, you have to consider the location of the tree. Is this private property? We're clearly far away from the tree lot at this point, and that's probably a crime. This could be trespass or conversion, since the Griswolds are on someone else's land. They've also violated the Illinois Wrongful Tree Cutting Act. Under this law, any party to have intentionally cut or knowingly caused to be cut any timber or tree other than a tree or woody plant referenced in the Illinois Exotic Weed Act, which he or she did not have the legal right to cut or cause to be cut, shall pay the owner of the timber or tree three times its stumpage value. That's an enormous tree that is probably worth tens of thousands of dollars. Clark could be on the hook for $50,000. This tree is a symbol of the spirit of the Griswold family Christmas. Now, before we tally up all of Clark's crimes and sentence him to a jail term, let's look at all the other dishonorable mentions of minor crimes by others. Christ the Lord. We kick things off with a crime against music, courtesy of Clark and Ellen. Oh, nailed it. There are enough moving violations in the scene that we could use it for a law school exam hypothetical. And here, this could easily be child endangerment. Audrey's eyes are literally frozen. Ellen is skeptical about inviting the whole family to stay with them for Christmas. I think you're forgetting how difficult it's gonna be having everybody in the house at the same time. Well, Ellen, just wait until 2020 when getting that many family members together in the house violates several states' COVID-19 orders. And Bethany puts her cat inside of a box and wraps it up. They also kill the cat in the middle of this movie. That thing had nine lives. She just spin them all. <laughs> and as you know, when it comes to their own misdeeds, cats are above the law, but it is illegal to harm them. Illinois makes animal cruelty a misdemeanor. Sorry, Aunt Bethany, but you'll be spending New Year's behind bars. A class C misdemeanor carries a jail stint of up to 30 days in jail. You know, you shouldn't have done that. Oh dear. Did I break wind? And to cap it all off, Uncle Lewis lights a match that sets the sewer aflame. Are we going to charge this old man with criminal mischief? Yes. Yes, we are. But back to our hero of this movie, it's now time to sentence Clark Griswold. Clark Griswold gets one year in jail and a $25,000 fine for the felony of dumping, three years and $25,000 for the felony of theft of a financial institution, one year in jail and a $25,000 fine for the felony criminal damage to property, and 10 years in jail for the felony of aggravated kidnapping for a total of 15 years in prison and fines totaling $75,000. So confirmed, Clark Griswold is just the worst as a matter of law. Hallelujah! Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? Oh, and one last thing. I know right now you're probably fumbling with your phone trying to find the next podcast to listen to, but you can't because this is an ad. But it doesn't have to be that way. Instead, you can go to watchnebula.com slash radio. You can get access to all of our original podcasts ad-free, plus exclusive originals and experimental shows from your favorite educational-ish creators. And best of all, you're helping to support us make even more amazing content. So before you go, check out watchnebula.com slash radio to support this channel and this podcast directly.